Welcome to this week's Screen Setup. I'm Richard Henschel, horticulture educator with the University of Illinois Extension Service covering Kane, DuPage, and Kendall counties. And as far out as uh, the listeners can hear here at WDCB, in the studio with me this week is, is Russ Higgins. And Russ is our commercial agriculture educator for um, the northern Illinois area, I guess you'd have to say. How are you, Russ? Richard, I am fine. It's almost time to plant a crop. Well, I knew you. I kind of knew you'd be saying that. Uh, uh, your are your pockets full of corn seed and soybean seed here? We're, we're, that, we're that close. And that was really one of my uh, questions I wanted to have you uh, respond to this week. Uh, with all that earlier weather we had that was so warm, um, and we know we have to wait, just like gardeners, we know we have to wait to sow grass seed until the temperatures, you know, get into the 50s. When the soil temperatures consistently hit into the 50s, I, I'm, as my understanding, corn's pretty much the same way. But that earlier weather and the lack of, uh, I guess, a winter time weather, uh, the soils had have been and are warming up a little bit earlier. What what do you think? When are we going to be out planting? what, corn to begin with and then later soybeans? We normally start with corn, and, and Richard, you're right. We've been watching the soil temperatures closely, and we actually reached 50 degrees at a four-inch level back in February. Of course, that dropped back down once we had some more seasonal weather, but it's been a challenge to try to keep the farmers out of the field. But certainly one of the things that is encouraging them not to plant is those who have crop insurance, which is the majority uh, of the farmers, um, they have to follow good agriculture practices, and if they plant before a set date, uh, that crop is considered to be uninsured. So for northern Illinois, that is April 10th for corn and April 15th for soybean. Now, there will be a few folks who might, uh, who might decide that they're going to go out and, and, and push that envelope just a little bit, but I certainly expect lots of planters field conditions permitting to be rolling uh, on those particular dates and after. Yep, and there's always going to be someone in the county that has to be the first and will squeeze out a few acres ahead of those dates but not not run the risk of planting lots of acres is my guess. Richard, I'd like to think it's just a novelty, but we did have corn and soybean go in in February in central Illinois. Yep, okay. So it, 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 uh, it does happen. It, somebody's got to have to have the bragging rights just like... Uh, Someone's got to be first. Just like the best lawn in the neighborhood, somebody's <laughs> got to have the, the bragging rights. Well, very interesting. Um, so here we are again. We've, we keep, I, I guess I keep rotating back to the weather and its influences here uh, and, and the crop planting dates. Uh, if we look at weed growth again, and I know er earlier shows we talked about the winter winter annuals that have been out there, um, but the the summer annuals are going to show up. Uh, and I know in a previous show last summer or so we talked extensively about uh, an up and comer that's uh, you know more hard to control than we maybe anticipated, and that was palm or amaranth. How did that fare in 2016, and and what do we think is going to happen for 2017? A very interesting and some would consider it to be a horror story actually took place with Palmer Amaranth in 2016. Uh, for those who uh, may not remember, we talked about Palmer last year as a new version of pigweed. It actually originates in the southwest United States and it's working its way east and it's working its way north. 
and it is established in southern Illinois, and we're working really hard uh, to keep it from extending uh, to all the counties in northern Illinois. Uh, this is a very competitive weed. It grows extremely fast. We expect it to grow in northern Illinois conditions about two inches a day. And then we also tell our farmers that we want that weed to be controlled when it's four inches or less. So we really have to stay on top of this particular weed. Prolific seed production, uh, again, very competitive. It's going to be a challenge. So we've been working hard to keep, keep or limit the spread. As we entered July in 2016, uh, we had a phone call come in at the University of Illinois from an individual who had put in a conservation planting uh, program on his farm. Uh, it's a pollinator program. Now this is a great program. Uh, farmers take land out of production and they plant flowering forbs that attract pollinators. And uh, for that, uh, they're paid on a per acreage basis. And this was pushed pretty heavily in Illinois in 2016. Almost 30,000 acres uh, went into this particular program. Unfortunately, there was a, uh, a sidebar that took place from this. Uh, that plant that the farmer actually found in his pollinator planting actually turned out to be Palmer amaranth. Uh, what we imagine has happened is some of the pollinator seed mix that's coming up from the southern United States where Palmer is prevalent worked its way into the seed bag. And here we've been trying so hard to stop the spread of this particular weed and we actually planted it ourselves. And by the way, this wasn't limited to just Illinois. It was also detected in Iowa as well as Minnesota. So we're encouraging all our farmers who may have put in pollinator plots uh, or landowners uh, to make sure that they go out and get their eyes on it in 2017 because this is one weed where we want to have 100% control because it's uh, much more cost effective to actually prevent this plant from being established to try to control it on an annual basis. I, if I remember right, in, in general, pigweed, a single pigweed has 100,000 seeds or 90,000 seeds per plant by the end of the season. It's some remarkable number, and that just sets up a gigantic seed, uh, seed uh, resource seed bank, doesn't it? This is, a, this is a weed that is being studied to a great degree uh, recently, and the numbers that just came out in 2016, in a competitive setting with cotton, the Palmer plants, on average, produced about 400,000 seeds. Wow. And a Palmer pigweed that has no competition that's sitting on the edge of the field is easily producing a million seeds. That's, that's just a remarkable that's it's hard to imagine a million seeds or even 400,000 seeds uh, from a single plant in some of the southern states where this is becoming well established in addition to spending twice or double what a normal Illinois producer spends on herbicide programs they're also hiring chopping crews to actually come in walk the fields pull the palmer load them onto wagons and take them out of the field and that's an additional $40 an acre. That's some amazing costs, but uh, something clearly a, a, a nasty weed that we need to keep under control or I think eradication is kind of 
impossible these days, but at least keeping an, un, keeping it under control is a, um, a very good, uh, I guess, uh, goal or objective. So that, that's some amazing things. So how big were these pollinator plots? The pollinator plots can vary all the way from just a few acres up to 160 acres or larger. So, wow. yeah, it's some, some pretty sizable areas. But uh, uh, we would certainly encourage, again, we'd certainly encourage any of our listeners who may be associated with a farm or be landowners uh, that had some of these conservation programs, which are great things, uh, but to, to perhaps get their eyes and, uh, on those plots. And, and this could include other conservation plots as well. Um, if you uh, put in any set-aside or uh, habitat plots, you might want to take a look at those. So um, uh, does this spread other than just the seed dropping onto the soil? Is it the uh, seed eaten by wildlife and moved around? Do we know? So it is spread by seed. We do know that it can successfully make it through the digestive tract of geese. Uh, so if you have large populations of geese, but primarily it's moved most effectively by humans. And one of the ways that we're seeing that spread take place is if a farmer were to purchase a combine uh, that came from the southern United States and brought it up to his location in the north, uh, then some of those weed seeds that may have been in the combine get spread that way. Also, uh, some of our dairy operations uh, tend to feed cottonseed hulls as a roughage source, and it has also been found in certain situations uh, to be in that roughage source and that also successfully goes through the cow's digestive tract. Mm -hmm. and, and later on ends up somewhere where it can grow. Absolutely. Yes indeed. All right. Russ, great show. Um, not kind of don't want to end on a, on a down note but that's uh, our time's up for the day and we'll we'll get another show in here yet before uh, you disappear into the fields for the spring season. Uh, this has been Richard Henschel with Russ Higgins, Ag Educator here in Northern Illinois and this has been the weekly Greenside Up show and we'll be back again next week.